0: Welcome to the Slow Train to Heck, a podcast about people sharing their stories of deconstruction, leaving behind toxic religious systems, and what happened next. I'm your host, Josiah Mahan. This week, I am speaking with Jay Croker. Jake is a former member of Trinity Bible Chapel, a church in the Waterloo region of Ontario that's at the forefront of the Christian nationalist movement here in Canada. Uh, Actually, this upcoming weekend, that church is actually having a conference they've called The Church at War, and here's what they're saying it's about in their words. Uh, The state's declaration of war against the church is the substantial fuel of a combustible environment. In this, the church must be a blazing torch while firing back. Join us as we offer strategy and hope for a church at war while premiering the anticipated full-length feature documentary Antichrist and His Ruin. So yeah, uh, there's some spicy stuff there. (laughs) I've actually had eyes on Trinity for years, but over the pandemic, they've been rapidly escalating their rhetoric. And they've recently begun incorporating the language of violence in their speech, as you just heard, uh, which I find particularly concerning. Um, Of course, the Canadian quote-unquote state has made no such declaration of war. They've simply treated the physical building of the church the same way as literally every other comparable venue during the pandemic. Um, It's It's really interesting to me how prior to COVID, I'd always get the line, and I said this line myself back in the day. I would say, you know, the church isn't a building. The church is God's people. Or wherever two or three are gathered, there God is with them. But as soon as any restrictions were placed upon this physical building, restricting the number of people who could gather together, that is now being portrayed as an all-out declaration of war against Christianity itself. And that tells me that maybe this isn't about actual christianity at all and maybe a little bit more about power and control and maybe wanting christianity to enjoy a bit more special treatment by the canadian government than it already does i mean i haven't seen these churches declare fire codes as government oppression in the past and those limit the number of people that can gather in this anyway i could go on forever and you're not here to listen to me rant so Yeah, we don't usually talk about specific churches on this podcast. Um, We don't like to name names necessarily, but given the visibility of this church here and the unique way that the church has positioned itself in the Canadian evangelical landscape, I wanted to know, what's the deal? Why is Trinity Bible Chapel the way that it is? What motivates them and what, if anything, can we on the outside do to help stem the tide of christian nationalism in canada without further fanning their flames Uh, and that's why i'm really grateful to jake for coming on and speaking with me today he talks about his own deconstruction story and his experiences growing up at trinity and gives what i think is some really helpful insight that i hope you will appreciate and find helpful um a few content warnings on this one, obviously, given the nature of the church we're discussing here. Primarily, there's a lot of discussion of Trinity Bible Chapel's homophobia, and uh, we do make mention of some of the language that they use in their homophobia, some slurs. Uh, I also play a brief clip from their documentary trailer where they use homophobic language. Um, pr- the reason I do that is just to drive home that, yes, this is how they talk and you can hear it from their mouth. Um other than that there's a lot of talk of christian nationalism aggressive street evangelism stuff like that uh, stuff that i'm sure most listeners are familiar with but uh, if you're ready to hear about that let's jump right over to the conversation with jake I'm here with Jake Croker. Uh, Jake grew up here in Ontario, and he spent many of his formative years attending Trinity Bible Chapel, back when it was known as Harvest Bible Chapel, Waterloo Region. Jake's joining us to share some of his experiences there and how his life has been impacted by Christianity and by his experiences at Trinity. So super appreciate you coming on to chat with me tonight, Jake. Thanks so much.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And thanks for just doing this whole thing. It's, uh, I think it's really important. Uh, what your what your project here is? Uh, I love it, so I'm excited to be a part of it. Oh,
0: thank you. Um, yeah, let, let's jump into your story, then, Jake. What's your background in Christianity like? How would you how did you get involved with this whole thing?
1: Um, I sort of have a a typical story of like growing up to a Christian family, uh, loving Christian parents, uh, growing up with the Bible, going to Sunday school. So it was something that was just like that was my world. That was my, uh, yeah, just experience growing up. Um, uh, and yeah, so, um, we went to, uh, I went to, um, another church, uh, if, like uh, originally. And then when I was about 11 or 12, uh, I moved to Harvest Bible at the time, uh, which then turned to Trinity Bible Chapel a few years later. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know if you have time for the rest, like the rest of my story, but yeah, it was around end of high school when I, when I left the church. Um, So I sort of have that typical uh, story um, of, yeah, just uh, when I started becoming an adult, making these decisions of what faith really means to me. And then that's when those, you know, the cracks uh, started forming and that's why I left at that sort of natural exit. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: What, uh, what was your background kind of like growing up, uh, in terms of, uh, religious extremism is, is, I don't know if that's the right word for that stage, but like, like what kind of doctrines did you hold to and and what kind of attracted your family to harvest slash Trinity?
1: Yeah. Um, so I grew up, uh, Baptist, that's the Mm -hmm. church I grew up, um, uh, before Trinity, uh, was a Baptist church, uh. It wasn't too extreme. There was a few weird things. Like, we didn't go out for Halloween. Um, we weren't allowed to watch Harry Potter. Uh, those those t- yeah. <laughs> you know, typical things that you hear. But, like, I was allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons, and I was like, there was other things I was allowed to do. So there was, there was a weird like, certain things you weren't allowed to do and other things you were. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, not extreme, but there were a, a few hardline um, rules and uh, kind of religious um guidelines that I was uh um put into growing up. Um and yeah, well the second part of your question, what attracted us to harvest? Um it was at the church we were going to, uh we sort of felt like outcasts uh in certain ways, uh, because my siblings and I went to public school and a lot of the other students and like kids uh our age we're going to either private school or christian school so uh, there was nothing explicitly said about oh these guys are going to public school but we just we were the only ones i think there was one other family by the time we left that was going to public school and so we felt uh there was a few other things but that was one of the things that uh were a pushing factor um from our original church uh and something that was like a really attractive thing about Trinity at the time was there was a lot of, um, a lot of the kids our age were going to public school. It was a really cool, welcoming environment. Uh, even Pastor Jacob's kids went to public school at the time. Which oh, is wow. Kind of a, that is interesting. Which is a, an ironic sort of twist of uh, what's going to happen in the future in this whole story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, all the people there were also super friendly. Like the music was really cool. It was, um, like a cool worship band. Um, Jacob is, is a charismatic and like young pastor. So there's a lot of this cool energy going on at uh, harvest at the time. So yeah, when there was things going on with our old church, we found Trinity all of a sudden, you know, we felt like it was a really cool, uh, place. And Jacob was preaching the Bible and, uh, and that's how he like framed it that he was not Mm non-denominational um but essentially baptist uh but uh yeah so the bible is really um uh how he frames all of his uh teachings in in that like there's uh his his sermon uh his sermon uh what would you call them like courses or like his like sermon series right yes yeah uh we just like, he would look at, he would read a book verse by verse, go through every verse, you know, week by week. Um, and then like, so we were getting the full uh, un, uh, unfiltered and full contextual view of, of what each verse was saying. Um,
0: yeah, right. So like a very like the, kind of exegetical sort of, that's what they would call it, where as opposed to like picking a topic and finding stuff from the Bible to match the topic, yeah. he would go verse by verse, which is yes, so yeah. interesting compared to what they're doing now. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they're still doing it. That's they're, true. That's, they're still doing it. But like, it's funny talking about uh, this idea of pulling out these uh, explicit teachings of the Bible as if, or not explicit, but like objective, uh, unfiltered views of the Bible mm-hmm. uh, by by reading verse by verse. Um, because you start hearing... You know what they're preaching now, and it's like it ties a lot to what's going on now. So, like, there is definitely a a filter. There's definitely a perspective, but uh, it's this uh, sort of veil of unfiltered view of the Bible.
0: Right. Yeah. It's funny how their their objective, unfiltered view seems to match very closely to their own politics. But yeah, (laughs) yeah. Which I
1: mean, and to them, it's not their own politics. Right. It's in the Bible. It's it's (laughs) what the God. It's what God says. It's the You know, so, yeah, this humble view that they have that it's not their politics. It's God's politics.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And yeah, we'll get more into that for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. Uh, So you guys join Trinity Slash Harvest. It's this happening place. It's Mm -hmm. young and, and hip and like not as... Exclusive about you know the the lifestyle that you were having because you're going to public school yeah. and they were presumably cool with that at the time. Yeah. Um, so, did you get embedded in there yourself? Like you were part of the youth group. You had friends yeah. and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, I was
1: part of part of the youth group. by uh, like part of the. We were meeting at a uh, seminary in Bible college, so it's part of the team that would get up really early in the morning to set up the the banners and the chairs and the sound equipment. And then there later after the service to close it down. So like my dad, my brother and me were all part of that. Uh, I did some of the street evangelism as well. Uh, Later on in my like kind of early to mid high school, I was uh, very sold out on fire for God uh, Mm -hmm. through, through Trinity. Um, And uh, yeah. So like I was, I was very into a lot of different um, ministries of
0: the church did did they push that a lot as like this is a thing that you need to do or how how did you or did, did you out of yourself like feel oh I need to do this
1: um i mean sort of like uh a voluntold. like they it was like part of the like um pillars of the church is being a member of the church being a like um you know a cog in a machine not in a um sort of uh Uh, anonymous way but in like your the church is this uh thing that you should be a part of and building it um so being part of the setup and take down ministry was something that was uh um a big thing that was like hey we need people like be a part of the church uh and then same with uh, like evangelism it was less so because uh evangelism is sort of this thing where it's like oh some people are uh more called to do it than others but like Mm. uh it's something that You know, if if you feel called to it, you should you go out, and that's a good thing to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Talk to me a bit about the the evangelism because I Mm -hmm. I think um, not a lot of churches do it as aggressively as Trinity Trinity does. Mm -hmm. I uh, not through the church that I grew up in, but as part of a conference I was involved in as a teenager, did some street evangelism myself. And it's very cringy to think back <laughs> on. Um, so I, yeah. I know a little bit about that, but, but what, what was that like? What, how did, how did you get involved with that? What kind of strategies, like what was it, was it very strategic for you or, or was it kind of casual or?
1: Um, I mean, we had our strategies, we had our, like, pick up lines mm-hmm. uh like uh you know where do you you know can i talk about can i talk to you do you know where you're going to go when you die um these heavy stuff that you just throw on a stranger and then yeah. they either just walk away and you're just like okay uh or they start talking to you and you kind of grab and poke at their unbelief as if it's this uh thing that um they're you know just waiting to be uh uh you know called to god um but it is interesting that like it, it was never about bringing feet into the door. It was never about amassing a big group of Christians. Um, cause that's our job is just to preach. It's God's job to grow the seeds. That's sort of like we, you know, sow the seeds and it's up to God to uh, see if any of those stick. So it was never like, Oh, let's strategize. Let's get like this group because they're, you know, they're more able to, you know, willing to come to Christ. It was, it was very much like this, um, we're just there to preach uh which creates the sense of like if someone walks away you're just like okay i did my job right um uh which i at the start it wasn't as like aggressive as as, as i'm seeing now um but like i think it lends to this idea that it doesn't matter how you preach the word it's just preaching the word and so it creates a lot of this like abrasiveness that uh is in the name of love or the quote unquote Mm-hmm. their definition of love. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, I think, um, I, and there was never any big issues. There was never like, it felt like just normal going out, doing what it kind of everyone, like a lot of other evangelist, uh, churches do, um, when I was doing it, but I think like kind of monitoring it over the past few years after I left it, it started uh, becoming a, a different thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the attitude within the church towards people that weren't part of the church or either like unbelievers or even like other denominations?
1: Um, so there was a, uh, a very strong sense that like those who are outside of the church, you know, are, uh, either just ignorant to God or, um, my favorite is like the atheist who hates God, who has this, this emotional relationship with God, but and that has thrust him into atheism, uh, here or her into atheism. I think that's uh, that that was very much the sense of these uh, intellectuals, these academics that I had um, growing up in the church was that there was you know they hate God, they they're uh, they're aggressive towards God, um, and and in that very reason is because is why you know, God exists because these people hate him, even though, and they say they don't, that sort of, uh, vibe was very much, uh, ingrained in me as a child mm. and, and going like, growing up into my teens. Uh, so it created this really like us versus them, this bifurcated, you know, the world versus the church, um, their specific church because, uh, um, there was a lot of, uh, uh, distaste for the more like liberal wishy washy churches that were like affirming and uh like the uh there was a this was i think after i left but they had a really uh strong hatred not hatred because that's un, un unbiblical but like a very strong distaste of like bruxy cavey yeah really yeah. didn't like the guy uh and and almost worse than like some of the other groups that they've been uh they've been uh especially jacob has been speaking poorly of uh, because he is a Christian and he's seen as this kind of perverting the faith Mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. And now that Bruxy has uh, uh, shit the bed, for lack of a better (laughs) word, um, uh, now they're like, see, see, we were right. It's because of his bad theology that he abused women. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course, (laughs) that's what it is. He was too affirming that's yes that's why women uh, yeah so when that happened i was like oh geez they're gonna love this and they yeah, do they're I, like celebrating it
1: yeah yeah because yeah, i mean yeah it's this um it's this weird sense of justification they get when they think they're right um which is uh um another thing like talking about their view of, of non-christians and the view of the world and um and uh those who don't necessarily believe the same brand of christianity they do um Whenever they get backlash, uh, like we see, like majorly with COVID, but like even every other little thing, they feel. I think. I think they honestly feel the sense of justification that they're doing the Lord's work because they are being persecuted in their in their eyes. When they get backlash, whether it's from uh, other Christians or it's from uh, like the media or it's from just anything, they feel this sense of justification that they are on the righteous path. Um, They're really tied to verses like, uh, like the Beatitudes where it's blessed is the one who is persecuted in the name of God. Mm -hmm. I forget which that's uh, one of them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, or like, uh, uh somewhere uh, in the gospels where it's like just if the world hates you just know that it hated me first and you know you are not of the world and if the world loves you then you're of the world or something something along those lines so it's this idea that if if the world is hating them if the world is uh criticizing them if they're speaking out against them then they are doing a good job which is this terrifying uh feedback loop of you know um doing things that they think will like I'm not sure if they think that like oh this will get a reaction or they just do things because they have just this um, abrasive way of, of being a Christian uh, but then when they when they get backlash from that they're just they keep going because that's their sense of uh, it to t- t- like lets them know they're doing a good job of being a Christian
0: right yeah um, I don't I don't know if if I'm right on this but the sense that I get is kind of the idea that no press is bad press for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been thinking about like, I, I don't know how like cynical to be yeah, <laughs> about, <I know. laughs> about Jacob because I think he is honestly this, this really, you know, just passionate, um, aggressive, very problematic, but just a very passionate man. Uh, and so when he thinks he has his, his way of being, then he'll shout it out to the rooftops because, um, you know, that's, that's just the kind of person he is. Uh, so like, yeah, I think, but like, I think, yeah, like no press is bad press or like bad press is still sowing the word of God, yeah. sowing the seeds of God. I think that's that, um, uh, I think that, yeah, maybe a, a an accurate way of, of looking at their, uh, how they deal with things.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back to even before COVID, like at the Chris Kindle market in, uh, <laughs> In Waterloo, with a Christmas yeah. thing, um, yeah. where they were given a platform to do like I don't yeah. know if it was like a nativity thing or something like that, and I think they were
1: playing worship music. Oh, playing I think, right? Or, or Christmas? Sorry, they were the worship band was playing Christmas music,
0: right? And then he started like really aggressively preaching, preaching a, yeah. a fire and brimstone style, repent or yeah. burn kind of thing. Yeah. and they cut his mic. Yeah, and then he was <laughs> yeah. all over the news. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was all over the news for that. Um, going back to the funny irony of them going to public school um, with, like, the um, changes to the sex ed curriculum and being more open to LGBTQ matters, um, they really didn't like that. Uh, so they were also all over the news um, because, like, they were, uh, you know, very upset about that, uh, which resulted in them pulling their kids from school and starting their own private Christian academy.
0: Yes, uh, they do. It's It's... Something like St. Alfred's Academy yeah, or King, something. Yeah. King, Alfred's King Alfred Academy. Academy yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Classical schooling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. It feels like watching all that, like just the walls are going up to make, to yeah. make us more and more isolated and the people inside yeah. more and more isolated from um, anybody that could contradict their worldview.
1: Yeah. And like there, you know, you could bring up the argument of like, oh, like, um, uh, you know, you should send your kids to public school because that's like, it's a mission field for them to go mm-hmm. and like be a beacon of light. But uh, uh, in one of Jacob's recent blog posts, uh, it's, it's a wild blog post um, talking, he equates uh, public school to a gay bar that sur- uh, teaches math. Yeah, and how like sending your kids to that type of place is not even like worth doing anymore yeah <laughs> uh like and then and then there, i mean a whole host of issues that's uh yeah those walls being put up there uh between you know them and the church or like them and the, the world which is um was was always like you know doctrine doctrinally like as a part of the like tr- trinity so like it was always there but it wasn't as sort of like explicit and concrete um Mm -hmm. as it is as it is today and is increasingly so
0: yeah so i that brings up what i wanted to ask you next which which was how as you're in this what Mm -hmm. kind of cracks are starting to form for you and uh how did you end up leaving eventually but uh, what was that process like for you so
1: it's it's sort of an ironic story as well. Um, the cracks started forming when I interacted with my uh, when I was in a um, my high school philosophy class, and uh, the philosophy teacher was uh, was a great guy. One of like my one of my favorite teachers in high school, um, and so I had a lot of respect for him. And he uh, in philosophy, I found out I was I grew up uh, as a pastor's kid, so he grew up even more like involved in. The church than i was and he was no longer a christian um, i don't know if he considered himself like an atheist or a hard agnostic or something but he was very much to a christian mind an atheist mm-hmm. uh, and it was the way he spoke about christianity that that started filling in the cracks and it wasn't him dissecting it it wasn't him being like oh see this is a fairy tale it was him being fair and rational and like accepting of a Christian worldview when we were talking about like metaphysics and God and, and things like that. And it was, it was his fair portrayal of Christianity that was like, Hmm, this man is not a Christian has lived a Christian life and doesn't hate God. He's not angry at God. He's not, you know, doesn't have this emotional, you know, nemesis, nemesis arch rivalry with God. Like, if what what's, it started just warping my whole worldview, uh, in what is this, like, like this, you know, spiritual warfare is if there's people on the other side who are good people, what does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and like not enough to break my faith, um, right yet, but like it started, started these questionings that started sort of softening the glass for me. Um, and then I started, it, that was around when I was 17 or 18. So this is when I was, um, starting to have, to make decisions for myself, uh, create a faith that, or like take the faith on my own, like fully realize what I've been hearing all my life and then applying it to uh, my adulthood, my, you know, next steps going to university and all that and what that means for me. And I started doing really critical, like, um, uh, look into like what I agreed with, what I sort of had questions about. And one of these questions that i had was about uh predestination that was uh, a, a a debate a talk that was uh my parents were talking about uh, in their like small group their bible study and that was something that we had um i think recently around that time uh, had a sermon on and that idea really started shaking me about uh, you know the many are called only a few are chosen um this idea like that god loved jacob hated esau so there's this group of elect that are able to go to heaven and, and, you know, knew and God knew that these people were going to heaven and he created these people just to go to hell. And I'm like that something about that and doesn't fit well, or like, I just wanted to know more about it. So then I went to that. Um, uh, I forget which passage it is now, but like, he's uh, it's, uh, I think Paul talking about that. And then he starts being like, oh, and some of you might have questions about that. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's me. I have questions about that. Uh, And then he immediately goes to, but you shouldn't ask questions because who is, who is the, uh, who is the clay? Like, what is the clay to question the potter of of what like it wants to be? And like, don't question it. And I'm like, "Mm, that doesn't sit well with me. So that was that like initial crack. That was Mm -hmm. the crack that started. Um, And then, you know, going, uh, doing research uh, about like the um, curation of the Bible and this idea that I was, was like, Uh, taught that it's this divine divinely curated um, piece of work Mm -hmm. uh, piece of like uh, literature, but then just the history of when these like uh, epistles were written, when the gospels were written and that started also shaping like, like um, changing how I viewed the Bible and because of how the Bible was the central monolithic uh, irrefutable pillar to the church that it, everything was true everything happened this literalist view of the bible that it's such a hard rigid way of being in faith that immediately when there's a crack it's like tempered glass that like that crack happens and then it all shatters because if if everything is true and you find a little crack then sort of nothing can be true mm-hmm. and it, I might say like it, it, I, it wasn't quite like that but like it, it really just completely like shattered um my, my view in that way. Uh, like maybe if I had a little bit uh, of a different, more flexible view of Christianity in the Bible, maybe I had a crack, but like, I could still see through the window. Mm-hmm. But once that, like, just because everything was so tense and like monolithic that there's one little crack in it, it's, it's, it's gone.
0: Yeah, no, I, that hits home for me so much. That's, it was the same for me where, yeah, when everything rests on that linchpin mm. scripture, uh, of scripture, where um, if you can't trust that, then well, and I know, and I know this from my own discussions with people who still adhere to Trinity is is they would say if you don't have that as your founding thing, you don't have anything. You can't have logic. You can't have any kind of discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so, so that's another reason. Like out, everyone outside of the world are arrogant assholes. They're you know uh, they're built their houses on sand and like they're they're uh they're morally corrupt they're immoral and so yeah again when i saw someone who wasn't that way and teaching me about or talking about like to my class about christianity in a positive way it's like wait those two things don't
0: yeah mesh yeah it's this picture that gets painted of the way that the world with a capital w is (laughs) and uh then when you meet reality and it's not that it's that that's a significant crack on its own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you just have kind of Jacob preaching the, you know, the, the world is out there to, um, you know, mock Christianity, mock God. And, and it's like, he's creating such this strong us versus them. And then when them becomes someone who like is, is a positive person, then, uh, yeah, that, that wall starts crumbles.
0: Yeah. The narrative starts falling apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so speaking of Jacob Reum and his, his stuff and, and, and the people that are there, um, mm-hmm. what, why are they the way that they are? <laughs> what, what, yeah. what, cause, cause there's good people, there's good people yes, that are, yes, that are wrapped yes. up in this stuff. Um, yeah. what, is attractive do you think to people inside those environments and, and like, do you think that they're genuine? Do you think that it's, it's selfish or or, like what, what, what do you think is, is the draw? Yeah,
1: I've been thinking about that a lot because like I was like, I was in that, um, you know, I was on the streets. Um, I was having debates about homosexuality. I I was like in grade eight, but like, I was still very much in that, like, yeah, being gay is wrong. And Mm -hmm. like, uh, um like yeah so like I was I was in there so I've been thinking a lot about like how you can still be in it I think it is genuine I don't think it's this selfish I don't think it's like a glory seeking like I said before mm-hmm. um uh like they do have this warped sense of like humility in that you know they are all empty and it's just God that's filling them um and yeah um but uh yeah why are they the way that they are uh and why is yeah I think it comes down to, similar things that we've talked about this, there were like warped sense of what love is Mm. uh, as well as their like obsession with war or like spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, like, like I was saying before, you know, the most loving thing to do is to uh, grab your friend out of the car. That's going off the cliff Mm -hmm. where the cliff is death and uh, eternal separation from Jesus and pulling them out of the car is bringing them to church and having them uh, be saved. So like that's, and that's sort of the end of it, though, uh, how they do it and the language they go about doing it. And, and yeah, the means sort of don't matter as long as the end is is this love of bringing, of, of professing their love to, of Jesus to the world. Um, and so, and then also their, like, obsession with war, their obsession with conflict. It, it's war in a spiritual sense because, uh, um, I mean, the Bible's full of just, uh, like, a lot of war and military Mm-hmm. metaphors like the like armor of faith and the and the do, using the word of god as a sword and doing sword drills as a kid yep. uh, do, yeah you yeah yeah like, I, oh i know yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh so yeah it's just this and they've taken that and just like like laser focused on this uh war that is being waged as soon as you walk out the door uh of the church uh and even in your heart in the church like there's this constant war that's going on um and you know when you believe that there's conflict all the time when you believe there's war all the time, I think you start seeing it in places that maybe aren't there. Um, you know, like the government teaching kids more about, you know, LGBTQ matters and these things, uh, all of a sudden look like they start chipping away at the, uh, at the church's moral teachings. And then when COVID happens, that's, that sort of was a huge, uh, you know, iron chair, uh, yeah. of, a, of, a. uh, conflict that you know once the churches uh were shut down that's all of a sudden that this is this is war this is finally they're they're shutting down the churches guys we're being persecuted let's let's all rally together yeah um and so yeah i think it's yeah it comes down to you know their their definition of love and their obsession with uh with conflict and war
0: do you think uh and and call me out if, if you think i'm off base on this but yeah. um I It seems to me like what really gets people going is that constant enemy that they need to be uh, on on guard for. And it seems like, because I've been watching them for years, before even COVID, uh, that there wasn't really a crystallized enemy for them so much, and they weren't quite Mm -hmm. so aggressive until... Uh, like I saw it more with the Chris Kindle thing. Like they they went after Bruxy, uh, because mm-hmm. he he was a good enemy to rally around yeah. for a while, and then yeah. COVID happened, and then it's you're right. Here we go. It's the government. Yeah. Let uh, now we're 110, percent and if we don't do this, we're all gonna be in prison.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the COVID really became this theater for them to um to play their uh, Christian part in um and yeah so yeah all of a sudden this is um i mean it's yeah this government that's uh also allowing like lgbt matters i think Mm -hmm. lgbtq matters in school and like the like there's there's so many um blog posts that are just wild talking about these these matters um even before covid yeah um so i think that was also a, a, a huge enemy um that's yeah it it, just a trigger warning Mm -hmm. for anyone who is about to go like who is is maybe interested in reading some of his things because he does not have very nice things and doesn't treat the the, like this community with any sort of love or tenderness at all um yeah he every time he talks about um like um uh like a gay person it's always sodomite yeah calls them sodomites He calls them uh alphanumeric people that was that was his latest thing uh and then in one of his uh um blog posts he just starts complaining about uh teaching like kids that calling someone a tranny is a wrong thing yeah that's immoral to do that and so so it's this yeah i mean there 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 was a war there was a very strong enemy there um but then that coupled with uh what's going on i think with covid uh uh, became really, yeah, just a melting pot or like a, a fuse that just blew up.
0: Yeah, and this is the thing that I kind of have a really hard time wrapping my head around, even as somebody who grew up, not quite that extreme, but but in certainly a, a, an environment that was not friendly to LGBTQ people. But you don't have to use those words. Like, you no. know what you're doing when you use those yeah. words. And that tells me that his o- audience, his goal is not to reach those people it's no. to further entrench uh, the, the, yeah. his audience um, yeah. and he, basically again the walls coming up we're not yeah. interested in trying to save people anymore we're interested mm-hmm. in trying to dominate
1: yeah no and like he 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 uses words like god oh, treating the um the like sinner with tenderness and love and you and you if if you have this skewed uh, definition of love where love is just like people's being people being saved then maybe you could do that but like tenderness tenderness means something very specific and calling people sodomites and alphanumeric people is not a tender thing
0: right yeah if you want to win hearts and minds even though I don't agree with what they're arguing for but if they want to try to make inroads there that that just it seems so counterintuitive to me yeah like nobody's like yeah Yeah. you know what you're right I am a sodomite (laughs) (laughs) nobody's doing that um So
1: like, as soon as you like call someone else, like, ah, you're of the world. You're just trying to like be a world pleaser. We, you know, God calls us to be enemies of the world because the world's going to hate us because it hated him first. So, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's like you said, it's that horrible negative feedback Mm -hmm. loop of, of they get angry. They use harsh language. People are understandably offended by that, hit back and like, well, see, See, this yeah. proves that we're on the right trail and now we're going to do yeah. it even more. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, this was not in mm. the list of questions I sent you okay. before. So yeah. uh, as somebody who grew up in that environment, who left yeah. that environment, how do you think we, this is something I struggle with so much because I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Uh, how do we reach people in those environments? Like, I'm not saying convince them to not be Christian. I yeah. like, I'm happy for them to keep, believe in whatever they want but but how do we help them see that it's just unhealthy
1: yeah i've been that's something i've been struggling a lot because there's certain arguments that just come down to like you know just such a, a an abyss of difference of, mm-hmm. like where you view like morality and like yourself in this universe in in relationship to a god or nothing or whatever so like there are things that hinge on those so much that it's hard to like have any sort of common ground mm-hmm. um i think yeah it's really easy just to be like oh let them just do their circus in their walls yeah uh and like we're not even going to deal with them but uh but i mean like yeah i don't know um Someone who was really influential in my, um, uh, researching when I was, th- uh, in my deconstructing and, uh, the start of my reconstructing journey, um, was, uh, Megan Phelps Roper yes. from Westboro Baptist. Yeah. And she has, she, I mean, she came from a church way, like even way more, um, like insular and, and batshit crazy than, than Trinity ended up mm-hmm. becoming, um, And, and, but she's like, yeah, like it was these conversations that people were having with us and and like that, that, that started these cracks and like she attributes Twitter, which (laughs) uh, it's maybe, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of things to agree or disagree with how she, what she's come away with. But like, it's, she, it was these people who were interacting with these Westboro Baptist people on a, on a actual, like trying to see the humanity in it. So I think Mm -hmm. there is, there is. Uh, yeah it, it's just hard because it's just so easy and it's so desirable just to be like i don't want to talk to you at all
0: yeah i don't want to deal
1: with you at all because if i deal with you you're just gonna you know spout back the same rhetoric as you always do and like and like yeah i don't know that's that's something i'm still trying to figure out uh but i think it's just yeah treating everyone with human like as as, as humans mm-hmm. um Acknowledging how problematic and how um, the issues that they are bringing, but like still recognizing that this is a person that you know has a family is 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 has good qualities about them. Because hmm. um, that's, I mean, what Megan Phelps was talking about, like Westboro Baptist uh, members. Are some of the uh, they do some of the worst things that I've like can even imagine in the name of Christ. Uh, just like pick the, the picketing, what they have on their signs. But like in her book, in her, and uh, her, all her testimony, uh, she she brings this like the like love of her family in it to as an important point that like these people are humans. So like treat them like humans. And maybe that's where you can soften some of their things. Because I think if Jacob and Trinity are kind of feeling justified and strengthened by their by their like contrarianism and aggressiveness, then giving back to them will just sort of harden their stance. Mm, Yeah. But like, it's also not like, but you also can't like accept what they're doing. So that's, it's it's a multi like issue issue that it's, yeah, I I don't even know the answer.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And I am blanking on the book. Somebody's going to message me about it after, but there's, there's a book about um, the guy in the South um, who's black who went mm. to be with kkk people and mm. just kind of like hang out with them and uh and he ended up helping pull a few of them out of the kkk just by mm. exposing them to uh to who he was as as yeah. a black man that is not something to for them to be uh, to see as an enemy yeah um so i like i like your your perspective there like how do we how do we extend compassion to these people how do we how do we extend you know grace and understanding uh when Mm -hmm. they seem so adamant on not giving us any and yeah um, yeah uh, it's it's a challenge too and especially as the rhetoric as of late has increasingly wrapped up or, or yeah. ramped up um, with their their war language, and I saw they just put out this hymn recently that they've rewritten yeah. an Isaac Watson that is like, yep. talking about filling the streets with blood and mm-hmm. uh, just revenge and and all that, and just yeah. really uncomfortable stuff for somebody who would be seen by them as an antichrist.: <laughs> Yeah,
1: and like I, I, uh, and it would be so much easier if I didn't think they were like genuine. Yeah. Like, if I thought they were just sort of being this like, you know, contrarian for like, for that sake, or like they were like attention, money grabbing. Mm-hmm. Like, and cause I don't think that's it. And so like,
0: it's hard to, yeah. They, um, they genuinely believe this. Yeah. And they think they're doing the loving thing. Yeah. And,
1: and, and like, I don't think they'll look, like, he's, he was on a podcast, Jacob, um, it was in 2019 about, uh, like white nationalism and things mm-hmm. like that, which, for his credit, he's against white nationalism. Uh, (laughs) uh, Even though in the last tidbit of uh, the trailer of the uh, Antichrist in this ruin, which is the movie that they're premiering at the uh, war conference or whatever, uh, he says like, uh, uh, what was the soundbite at the end? It was, uh, you know, if Canada doesn't repent from its sodomy, its like transgenderism, its multiculturalism, then we're on a slippery road to hell or something like that.
0: Yeah, I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll play that clip. I'll splice it in right here. Unless we repent of sodomy, unless we repent of abortion, unless we repent of multiculturalism and these intentional shifts in our culture, you don't have freedom. It's not coming back. And, yeah. <laughs> Which.
1: Um, and uh so there like he, he made this he um uh going back to the uh interview of white nationalism, he was saying like yeah, we don't we don't ever want to be like violent. So I don't like and but that was twenty nineteen, so I don't know once the uh world is or the government is cracking down on churches. I don't know if that's gonna bring up a violent response. I don't think so. I I don't hope so. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so I don't think like I think it's, it's a lot of just the spiritual metaphors um that that they're talking about. At least that's what I'd like to think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: No, that's super helpful, and and I think yeah, it is important to remember. I think for us, as we are getting more and more nervous about what they're doing and mm-hmm. and how it might hurt people and that kind of stuff, that they there are humans behind that, even though yeah. they might be misguided. Um yeah. they're, they're human. Even Jacob Rehum is is yeah. a human and and as you said, he also believes what he's saying. As as yeah. harmful as it is, he believes he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um and as hard as if yeah as hard as it is for us to uh, accept that it's it yeah we need to remember the human
1: yeah yeah it just becomes this gray zone where it's it's hard to think of what to do what's best to do like how to approach yeah it's yeah because then then once once you start being like oh like these these guys are all like evil and they're and and they're
0: uh like
1: then you start creating walls again yeah exactly we don't want to create uh, our
0: own walls which is what they're doing. yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah. so it's you know a wall and a wall just creates just an empty middle yeah (laughs) yeah
0: yeah exactly and and it gives them that's their fuel too yeah
1: because then you know it becomes a demilitarized zone It becomes becomes very much looking like a uh like a a war zone
0: yeah so i want to circle back to and and thank you so much for that That that's such great insight i i really appreciate that and it's a good reminder for me too um about the humans that are that are wrapped up Mm -hmm. in all this stuff i want to circle back to um you and and Mm. you're leaving that environment and what that was like for you how how what was your experience like getting out of there
1: like it it was it it wasn't like a an event Mm -hmm. um it it, it just i it was a whimper and not a bang yeah Uh, like i would uh I, i went off to school but like i was still going to school in waterloo so it was still like i was i still had access to it so my parents were going so uh I sort of had this veil of being a good Christian boy to my parents because my dad was dealing with cancer and and things mm-hmm. like that. So I didn't want to like throw, oh yeah, you're you know, your son's on a on a on a path straight to hell. Yeah, uh, yeah. just throw that on the. So pile, so, I, right? I, so I went to the ch- I went to the church a long time and um, like for like um, like a year or two after I'd sort of made that mental decision that I wanted to you know step away. Um, and I think, uh, one of your first episodes, the sober out fills, mm-hmm. like hit me. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how I felt. Um, at least in the later half, I remember though, having a lot of turd, like this sadness because I was going and like internally, there was a lot of strife going on with, cause you're deconstructing this idea that you've built your entire value system, your whole like sense of reality and your whole purpose of living, you, you know, you, you take the foundation of that and it's like, it's very shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so when I was there, I was just looking around. I'm like, why, if God is around, if, if, if these people are like praying and, and stuff, like why don't like the like youth pastor, why doesn't he sense me that I'm in this like strife and like, why, like, shouldn't he know that shouldn't there be this like or like this dark cloud of faith, like <laughs> a shaky faith above my head and uh and and but yeah like um but you know no one came up to me and then uh and then it started being like okay yeah maybe like yeah and then and just as as it went on it uh became i was starting to kind of come to terms with it being something that wasn't for me but there was it, it was it, like i don't have you know, a very uh, traumatic experience leaving there or like overtly traumatic, I guess. Yeah. They um, didn't like try to, I mean,
0: force you to stay or <laughs> lock the doors. Yeah, yeah. Cause I just like kind of kept standing back,
1: stepping back, stepping back. And then I wasn't in it anymore. Um, you know, I mean, also I'm just a like cis, mostly het, white male. So like, there's nothing, like I don't have a lot of trauma from any of those things. So like, mm-hmm. I, I don't have a huge traumatic event with uh, Trinity, uh, which is maybe why I can View it so um, with with a certain level of humanity, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's um, yeah. That, that's that's how I left. It was just sort of quietly stepping back instead of uh, anything blowing up, which is nice.
0: Yeah, that is good. Um, mm-hmm. Where did what was the trajectory of your faith or lack thereof from that point? Like wh- uh, from there to now.
1: Um, so immediately uh, after I left the church, uh, I sort of still had the framework of absolutes. Um, so I went from there absolutely is a God there absolutely is this, uh, um, uh, this Bible that like has all the, the Lord's teaching and can teach me in every moment of the, of my life and every, you know, era of the world, um, to being like, there is no God. Anyone who like who believes in God is like this, uh, um, you know is, is, is you know, opium of the masses mm-hmm. sort of uh, uh that kind of radical shift to the other side which is sort of which is the view of of the uh, uh atheist in a lot of ways that i was told um but then and then sort of the pendulum kind of came back in the middle and it's mm-hmm. uh it's sort of i'm yeah like i'm currently agnostic like i'm not uh i just don't know i don't know i think i'm, I'm comfortable saying that um, yeah uh, I think there is like something out there. There's 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 weird like there's. I think uh, to a certain extent I'm spiritual, mm-hmm. um, but not like uh, religious. Did you? Which is sort of a wishy washy way to say things. But uh, no,
0: no. It, it, I think it's cool to be able to just kind of let it ride. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. not have any flags planted specifically yeah. anywhere. That that's. That's cool to me. Um, was mm-hmm. it hard for you? And this is me speaking out of my own personal experience too. Is was it hard for you coming out of that environment where certainty is so uh, paramount? Um, you know, where everything you know you uh, inerrant scripture, uh, five point mm-hmm. Calvinism, all 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 the doctrines, hundred <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. percent. Was it hard for you to let go of that and get to a point of being comfortable saying I don't know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, cause I mean, like I said before, like my, the content was different, but the way I thought was the exact same yeah. going from, uh, uh, going from Christian to atheist. Um, and then, yeah, it was just this, this uncertainty is terrifying. It's, it's unstable. It's like, it's, uh, you know, and, uh, I don't have sort of the, the, the legs for uncertainty when I'm leaving, mm-hmm. like, you know, that I was never grown up. Like I lived with that. Like I was always, um, like fed by authorities what to believe and like mm-hmm. how to how to structure how i view the world um i mean there's a certain level of like personal faith but a lot of it's your you know looking up to your shepherd of and like the the pastor of what you can uh, uh or like how to how to view your life um so not having that and you, you becoming your own um shepherd in that way is a uh it's a yeah i'm i think i'm still in that sort like no oh, yeah um, that's... uneasiness yeah um i've and so yeah it's um that's where i am now
0: no i think that's super valid place to be in and Mm -hmm. i yeah i still have like that that kind of uneasy like
1: oh but what if i'm
0: going to hell uh
1: (laughs) yeah i I don't have like the nightmares going to hell anymore Oh, that's (laughs) just just, that's that was a yeah that's a terrifying thing is um like yeah just the uh the, the the lasting oh but what if the lasting potential was yeah. uh, was something that uh uh sort of i guess that's where the trauma was it's, it's more like that kind of uh uh insidious trauma as opposed to like the external trauma that um a lot of people have in the church so i'm lucky maybe for that that i'm only having to deal with that
0: <laughs> that sort of it's yeah. yeah it's like that baseline fear that's always yeah. that's always like underlying everything yeah, yeah. um yeah, no, I th- that resonates with me a lot cuz mm-hmm. it's um it's so deep in there that this stuff gets into you and it's it's hard to get it out. And I think yeah, regardless of where you are along that spectrum of trying to figure it out, I think that's a super valid place to be and mm-hmm. the important thing is that you're trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And, and being
1: comfortable in that figuring it out Cause like and like being comfortable that you'll never have it figured out I'm okay right. with that now like I'm perfectly okay that like every person I meet has the potential to change my worldview. has the chain like because uh, yeah like I remember just interacting with like minority like either racial minorities or gender minorities or um, like um, and then and, 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 like, talking to me about their experiences as you know a Christian white guy uh, and that just like yeah radically changed how I viewed the world so mm-hmm. like I just and and I've become like obsessed with Um, Kind of learning, just more like that.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: Like it creates this holistic view of the world, a more nuanced, a more like interesting gray world, but gray in a happy way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's uh, it's so much more interesting, and there's so much to know and learn outside of those boxes, those Mm -hmm. walls that 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 they put up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know, like from my experience of street evangelism, uh, maybe this is yours too. But you're not there to have a conversation. You're no. you're not there to learn from the people that you're talking no. to. You're there to tell them, um, yeah. and uh, that for me was such a difference between the inside and the outside. Yeah. Was now I'm here to learn from you. Yeah,
1: and and yeah, because like you know what you know, and you know what they know. Yeah, and so there's this like the, the word no, and the word like belief, and the word absolute. Yeah, those it's a lot more fun having those off
0: (laughs) yeah yeah for sure um yeah so yeah jake thank you so much for for um thank you for running through this with with me for talking about your process your experiences at trinity i really appreciate your perspective on um the just the environment at trinity and the people while even though you know, they might be motivated by fear of the other or or this constant enemy of the outside. They're not our enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if we can try to treat them with that kind of compassion and, and invite them into our space, even though, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard. Um, if we can find a way yeah. to do that. I don't know what it is, but if we can find a way yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I I I super appreciate that perspective, and and thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me for a little bit.
1: Uh, Well, thank you honestly again. Like I said at the start, um, uh, what you're doing here is awesome because just having, like I said, having those people who can talk about Christianity in not this this hateful way, Mm -hmm. in in and and their journey of leaving. Like I mean, two of the people who I talked about today, Megan Phelps and uh, my philosophy teacher, those are like those are people who showed me a way of thinking a way of living um that outside of christianity that wasn't what the sort of caricature of what an atheist what an ex-christian is so right. being able to share stories um and like your story and like having conversations like this and helping people uh recon like reconstruct their lives mm-hmm. uh, i think is is really important so thank you
0: oh thank you so much Super, super grateful to Jake for giving me his time and his story. I really appreciate it and his insights into Trinity Bible Chapel. I want to add some nuance to a comment that I made at the end there uh, about how Trinity is not our enemy, Um, because I think I maybe wasn't super clear on that. So what I I mean by that is that if we treat them in an antagonistic way, they're going to get worse antagonism is what fuels them it what's it's what makes them feel like they're in the right which i, I get seems super backwards um but that's how it works uh, as jake said they're certainly positioning themselves as our enemy and honestly my instinct is yeah to fight fire with fire there's no negotiating with them though but i i have tried myself um speaking with folks at trinity They just fall back on that without the same belief in God that they have, essentially logic can't exist. So any arguments that we might make are invalid because logic is tethered to the existence of God in their minds. So debating, arguing, it's a waste of time. It further entrenches them. Um, And that's a lot for me to say because I love debate and arguments. But Jake, highlighted a weakness in their position that I think it's really important to examine. They teach and believe a narrative about us, about the people outside of their walls, that we're, we're evil, depraved, we hate God, we hate them, we want to destroy them, etc. But we know that's not true. So the best way to quote-unquote fight against what they're doing is to live what they're saying we're not. So like Jake's philosophy professor that he mentioned, treat Christians, treat Trinity and Christianity fairly and compassionately without anger or spite. Don't fight fire by firing back. Like they say they're doing with their conference, fight their fire by being water. They don't know or understand who we are. They have their narrative about who we are, but they don't understand who we actually are. So let's show them. So yeah. Are they our enemy? In one sense, sure. They want to impose their religion on the rest of us, whether they, whether we like it or not. That is a pretty antagonistic thing to do. But we can't treat them like they're our enemy. That's what they want. That's their narrative. And not playing into that deprives their fires that they're trying to set. It deprives them of oxygen. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting like a turn-the-other-cheek thing here. We still need to oppose special treatment to specific religions by the government. That is a very important thing for the Canadian society to do to function. We cannot have a special, specially treated religion. It's bad enough the way that we have a public Catholic, publicly funded Catholic school system. Um, that needs to be called out as well. Um, but yes, any positions that are trying to enshrine the church, the Christian church, Trinity themselves as as uh, specially treated by the state or having Christian law imposed on the rest of the country, those need to be called out. Call them out firmly but gently and with compassion and fairly representing their positions. That said, on the other hand, I realize that this is pretty easy to say for myself because I have not yet been directly harmed by them. I am coming from a place of privilege on this. Others listening may have been directly hurt by them and are not in a place to offer Trinity that kind of compassion, and that is totally valid. However you feel about them is coming from a real place of hurt and anger inside of you, and that should not be invalidated. You need to feel that. So what I'm saying is that for those of us that are able, uh, we need to try to not fight fire with fire and to show Trinity what, Love actually looks like not their skewed definition of love, um, what, what real love is, um, and yeah, that is all that I had to say about that. So that's it for this week. Next episode, two weeks, I am speaking with Maria Wall, who is an ex-member of the Church of God in Elmer, Ontario, and they are a fundamentalist Mennonite cult. If you haven't heard of them, um, she has a, just a Wow, just an incredible story and is an incredibly strong person and reveals a lot uh, in her story of what Church of God is really like for those who attend and the pressures um, that are on people who are trapped in that cult. And she offers hope to others that may be trapped in similar cults. So I'm, I'm really excited to share Maria's story with you. So tune in for that in two weeks. If you want to get in touch with me, whether it's to say hi, give feedback on the show, or if you're in Canada and want to share your deconstruction story, I am on Instagram at uh, Facebook Heck, or email heck at gmail.com. This has been the Slow Train to Heck. Thank you so much for listening.